Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Reality Reno with Mitch and Mark. Marky, while we've been complaining about endless rain here in Sydney, thinking we're doing it tough, oh my God. I know, I think the whole nation has been shocked with what we've seen in Lismore. Our hearts go out to the people in Lismore and... As we're recording this right now, people are waiting to be rescued. Absolutely. And then, but Brisbane River is bursting its banks again, causing devastation up there as well. It's up and down the East Coast and heading our way. Heading our way here in Sydney, we're expecting it. So, you know, what's the song say? We're, we're a land of drought and flooding rain, but my God, this is just out. This is just out of the norm. Like so far, you can't even, you can't even think about it. Amy, I think sometimes too the aftermath of the cleanup and our our show is reality. Reno, we talk about renovations. Well, those people, the industry is so smashed by COVID and supply chains. They're going to be smashed again. So yeah, how well, do we help them get back into housing when the housing industry is already under so much pressure? I don't know how that will work. Maybe that's something we can tackle in the coming weeks, Mark. But Meanwhile, offshore, there's the Ukraine situation with Putin or Putin, Putin-led Putin Russia causing devastation, destroying people's lives with intent. You would never think in our lifetime after everything historically we've seen, the wars that have gone on, that we still have leaders who think war is the way to go. And the United Nations sort of rallying, uh, cutting Russia off, but is it enough to stop this monster? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Russia is a, a country that um, a number of people of our friends have been to have a look at, said they loved it, and now and then we thought, well, wouldn't it be good to go and see historical places like St Petersburg? But, Mikey, we haven't been game to go because as, as gay men, we are illegal there, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. We've made a decision that, you know, the laws, the laws in Russia are that as um, a same-sex couple or as gay men, uh, lesbian women, that you are criminal and that you can be charged and imprisoned. Now, this is something that we haven't seen in the West, you know, and it was bad enough that it still existed in the 60s and early 70s in the West, but it still exists now in countries around the world where gay people are being victimised, they're being made criminals. It justifies people's behaviour where they bash people or they kill people because, you know, they're criminals. Now, I would never set foot, ever set foot in Russia because I'm not a criminal. And meanwhile, back home, we are celebrating Mardi Gras this weekend by stark contrast. So I think, you know, that's probably even more reason for us to celebrate the freedoms that we have as a country um, and the hard work and that journey that so many people have fought to be able to have a celebration and be supported by our nation to celebrate diversity. And whilst now Mardi Gras is all about a party, I think it started in 1976, the first parade. It was around 78. 78. Around 78, okay. So the first parade was a protest um, for gay rights. Those people that marched in the first parade were were bashed and were... Well, uh, was it a time... jailed? Yes, a time when it was illegal 
to be gay. And so there are people from, you know, our generation, but earlier than our generation, who just being themselves meant that they were subject to um, criminal charges. There are people who still have would have criminal records because they're gay. It, it seems bizarre. So we have come a long way. We'll roll the clock forward and you and I, Mark, as a gay couple, is seen as a different kind of normal broadcast across Australian TVs on the block twice yes. over, over, two year, yeah. over two years um, and, and celebrated. And so we are eternally thankful for those that came before us but the 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 work is not over we've got we've got more work to do and we're doing our bit so much more and you know it's interesting which somebody said to us this week i think maybe so the block is televised around the world in different nations there are different countries that show the block so i think potentially in russia how does russia cope with the fact that there is a gay couple a same-sex couple on a tv show like that yeah let's just remember though russia is a is a country of many people not um not a country of one person like True. putin True. Uh, because of his views and he is a dictator yes so because of his views, um the russian people are not necessarily behind him and it's looking like they're revolting true. as they revolted in the mardi gras parade um and made a big move forward which brings us to a bit of a link, a segue for our special yes. guest today, who we will no doubt see in the Mardi Gras Parade marching. I know, can't wait to see her. Just as an aside, we're getting to march in the Mardi Gras Parade first time ever, so that will be fun. At 60 is our first ever Mardi Gras Parade <laughs> march. Who would have thunk? So our guest today is iconic on the Oxford Street strip, and we remember the first time we ever saw this person. One of the key performers in Oxford Street, Chances are, if you've ever seen a drag show on the strip in Oxford Street in Sydney, and I'm sure you've seen her beyond that, also on um, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. Down Under. We are talking about none other than the delightful, the beautiful, the hilarious Maxie Shield. I am absolutely delighted to um, introduce our next guest. Our next guest is a star of the big stage in Oxford Street, but also the small screen with... Well, an Australian icon, I would dare to say. Yeah, but also um, RuPaul's Drag... No, 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 fuck, what's it called? Um, um... I love it when he does oh, this. But you could have jumped in. No, I'm not going sake. to. Star, star of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. And I must say, she was amazing. Welcome to Reality Renault with Mitch and Mark, Maxie Shield. <laughs> Hello, boys. We got there in the end, didn't we? Uh, it takes a little time. It's like a lot of things, you know. It's worth the wait, really, isn't it? It's worth the wait. Oh, I'm, I'm still, I still, still sort of stay there. a bit stunned when, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race. It's like, oh, shit, I watched the first episode ever. And now they're doing an Australian version and I was on it. It's crazy, just crazy. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? We, we're talking reality, Rena. Reality is part of that reality TV. I mean, yeah. was it bizarre for you to go, oh, my God, here I am, and meeting RuPaul and that whole experience? It was, it was crazy because, you know, Ru uh, Drag Race fans are just, they're, they're full on. They're, like, really diehard crazy sometimes. Um, and it was rumoured that we were going to get it uh, probably about three or four years ago. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm at the older end of the spectrum when it comes to drag, and um, I call myself a roast chook. 
um, <laughs> instead You're of an old children. And <laughs> the fans love to write a list. Oh, they love to write the top ten girls they want to see on Drag Race Down Under. And I was never on the list. Yeah. So oh. when I got the when I got the call, wow. I was like, Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, it was very surreal, sort of from the start, and then it was sort of like, okay, you're on, and it became a reality, and it was just like, shit, this is crazy. Yes, reality TV is a bit crazy. We want to talk to you a bit about what that experience was like in a moment. Yeah, but we've seen Maxie for so many years on Oxford Street, and Maxie evolve. I suppose it's a little bit like us people recognise us through the block stuff, yeah. whereas and and they assume we know them a lot of the time because they we, they they feel they know us so well same goes for us with you we've seen you on stage um performing well i, I came back to australia in 2002 um i lived overseas for a stint and i and from my memory you were there from the time i got back yeah so i started it's my 25th drag anniversary this mardi gras 25 years, wow. 25 years. I know, it is crazy. And you know what? I actually love that it's 25 years because I got to start at the tail end of the Priscilla era Mm. and the 90s and the Priscilla era in Sydney. I don't know if you experienced that, but it was just so fabulous. We had a long way to go still. Drag was this sort of local heroes and the Porsches and the Trudy Valentines and the Amelia Airheads. All these incredible drag queens were just these 10-foot-tall Barbie dolls that I sat in the front row and just went, oh, every Friday and Saturday night. It was crazy. It was a, it was a crazy time around Priscilla when that came out yeah. around the world, which kind of such a huge hit, such a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, I remember I didn't live in Sydney, but I was in Melbourne and coming backwards and forwards to Sydney. It was such a feel here, so much fun. And there was yeah. the Aubrey and the Imperial. I remember seeing Mits- Mitzi McIntosh. Mitzi McIntosh. Yeah. Mi- Mitzi, Caroline Clark, Legs Galore. And it was different type of drag back then as well. It was just it was just so much fun. When you say it was different type of drag, how? There was an appreciation for ugly drag. There was, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yes. Mitzi would would do absolutely anything for the laugh. Yes. And you would you would see that. And there was, yeah, there was there was a hierarchy, which is probably, you know, looking back in today's standards, probably was isn't a good thing. But there was that thing that, you know, someone like Mogadonna would walk into a room and you'd sort of bow down <laughs> almost. Oh. Because this 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 great big glamazon would walk in and you'd just be like, oh my God, oh my God. Whereas now people are like, well, where'd you get your tits? Hey, where'd oh, you really? get your wig? So there was you more know? of an acknowledgement of the people that went before or that created this yeah. kind of culture. I guess there was a mystery because now oh. every with the internet, everyone knows your secrets. Everyone knows how to put makeup on and do a wig and, and, and put a look together. Whereas a drag queen would walk in and you wouldn't know unless you sat and watched her how she did her makeup or how she did a wig. So there was that element of mystery that sort of was so exciting. I remember seeing, I've just had a flashback, my first ever (laughs) drag performance. I think it was in 1980. Um, I was there on a, I was at this place called Stranded. 
which is um, below the Strand Arcade, which is now where JB Hi-Fi occupies the space. (laughs) Um, Strand was this super cool nightclub. And then at, I think it was 1am, everyone would sit down cross-legged at the front and they would play this weird music. And then this artistic um, drag performance would take place where they were were quite equine and they were very thin and angular and not about being beautiful, about being... Almost freakish, like women. Mm. But do you I know going going back to that? It was amazing. Do you know who that probably was? That was probably De- Teresa Green, right? Um, and Doris Fish. They were very, they were very edgy, very almost girly. Yeah, art, so like it was, an was an art very artsy, very artsy like yeah. performance, which is it actually yeah. interesting when you think drag as art and art performance and pushing boundaries. Sure. <laughs> but, but but I do remember around the same around the same period, probably around 1980, going to Lay Girls, oh. and and the drag performance. Not that I was smart enough to know the difference at that time, yeah. but one was a an artistic performance. The Lay Girls were, were I under, I understood it as these um, women, mm. uh, these yeah. uh, tra- these transgender. Mm. Um, women that that look that did physically look look like beautiful women. Um, so I, that was the. But I didn't. Sorry, I, 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 I didn't. I didn't even join them together then. Whereas now, I think there's probably more of a a visual crossover. Very much the because um, lay girls is sort of it was almost like the tits and feathers show from Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there were all trans women um, that were on there and. And it was sort of, it was so, I, I, I'm, I wish I was around to see like lay girls. I sort of started just before, just as it sort of closed, but they were sort of such a trailblazer in not just for trans and drag, but just the gay community in themselves, because what they were doing was so like, it was illegal <laughs> to do what they yes. were doing. And they, they would go in and they'd perform and then they'd walk outside and they'd get bashed by the same people that were watching the show or, yeah. yes, you know, yeah. and there was those stupid rules where you you weren't allowed to wear a wig if you were a boy and, yeah. you know, you weren't allowed to, you had to have men's underwear on if you were dressed as a woman, you know. And I, I was lucky enough to work with uh, Monique Kelly, who actually was a part of the lay girl. She was part of the comedy section. And some of the stories, these women were just so strong and just living their lives. They girls' performers were absolutely incredible. And working with Monique Kelly, who was the comedian, some of the stories she would say, and, you know, some of the stories, there would be the sober versions and then you'd get a couple of the boozers into her, a couple of scotch and sodas into her, and then the real stories would come out. And they were just, they were so exciting but, horrifying at the same time trying to that these women had to survive things that they had to do to survive it's interesting and i'm glad you talk about that because it's very easy to forget that not that long ago realistically not that long ago that um just being who we are was illegal and people had to have a strength to commit to who they are ray Growing up in an era where it was illegal, it was wrong, and where these these women had to have the strength to to 
be and now you know people can can look and go how fabulous was that but don't forget they were arrested and bashed yeah and bashed you know this is and and so i think this probably sounds a bit like you know i'm getting too old but you have to acknowledge the past to feel in the present and know where we're going very much and to honor those people and thank them you know, I think it's important to go. Thank you, because but also, Mark, because nowadays you've got kids who are who are being um, carefully understood. Yeah, um, who are in primary school. Yes, saying that they feel that they don't feel that they're in the right body, and I and think allowed to explore that. You know, Miss, wow, how far have we come? I'm so glad that you talked about that. Then you know that wasn't something that, because. You know, was it a week ago or a couple of weeks ago? Things like the debate in Parliament about religious freedom that turns into, you know, a statement that is about those young people not being okay. And to see, and I get angry about this, to see reports that in Queensland parents are asked to sign a document that they support particular values that say that gay, transgender kids that what will not be taught or they would be expelled if the parents didn't sign it. It's like, are you kidding me? So those people in the 60s, the 70s, the early 80s, we need to thank them for that courage. And I think as well, listen to their stories. Keep their stories alive Mm, because, you know, some of the stories are just so fantastic that you're sort of like, Monique would say, you know, that's when um, uh, Shirley Bassey and and Sammy Davis Jr. came in and they were backstage and we chatted and Carlotta taught her how to move her hands and all these great stories that you were like, this is incredible, you know, and and there there is, especially in the gay scene, there is such an ageism, you know, oh, that's the the old fart. Oh, it's like, well, hold on. These old farts have got some great stories and we need to keep those going. So that, you know, we understand that, you know, there was a history before the internet. Yes. This is why we're allowed to do stuff. Yes. This is this is why we're no longer illegal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Maxie, we don't know your background, which is unusual for us when we're talking when we're having a chat <laughs> on our little show here. Um, Maxie, childhood through growing up to saying, yep, I want to do drag, what were the milestones that led you to that point? Um, I actually was born in Ballina um, and then... uh, Not quite quite Byron. Not quite Byron. Um, (laughs) Not quite Byron. My grandfather used to own a sugarcane farm in Pimlico and then in 1984 my mother passed away and my sister and brother and I were adopted by my mum's sister so my auntie actually became my mum wow and then we moved up to central queensland claremont which is out past emerald which was a mining town we used to live just outside of town very country bumpkins you know bore water (laughs) all that exciting stuff um dad used to work well my uncle or my dad (laughs) um my uncle and auntie and my cousins became my brothers sisters mothers and fathers um, they, my dad used to work in an open cut coal mine, which started to dry up. So we sold the property that we lived on and moved down to Nowra in 88. Wow. Big change. So 
a big change. So uh, high school down there, you know what, it was as a gay kid, it was probably the best thing that could have happened. Basically, stepping stoned, I, I, I studied hospitality at Wollongong. Then I moved up and I was working at Intercontinental. And I think it was about 97, 96, 97, they had a Christmas party and I decided to go out and drag the Intercontinental. Uh, and then I ended up and I met this guy that I became really great friends with. And uh, we became drag sisters. So mm-hmm. I was Maxie Shield and she was Catherine Gorge because she was from uh, the Northern Territory. And we just became sort of drag sisters. I did, we did talent quests. I think I got third. And it went to one day where I was like, actually, you know what? This is what I love to do. And it just sort of snowballed from there. Um, oh, wow. That was the express version. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it's, it's been absolutely crazy. I literally sit on the lounge at times and just go, what the hell, how lucky am I? Because, you know, the, the experiences that I had or have had would not have come about if I was still working at Intercontinental or at a cafe or a restaurant. At what age did you jump across full time from ditch that and thought this is my profession? 22 23 wow was that a um, that would be a yeah it was late i'm 48 this year so it was yeah it was it was scary but i always thought you know what i if i can get two or three gigs that can cover rent and bills then you know i'm going to do it i'm i'm just going to do it so it was it was terrifying but you know i'm i'm i haven't looked back you know, it's like that yeah, leap it's just of faith in a way. Terrifying, it. terrifying yeah. leap of faith. And you sort of see it. And, it, you know, it is so transferable to, you know, uh, your own business in that, you know, it is so scary to, to give up your day job and have so much, you know, faith in a business that you love. Mm. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? You know, and... Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. Touch wood, it worked. <laughs> so, Maxie, we talk about it as a business. Um, for most of us, we um, go to work and we put, we'll put it down at the end of the day, um, although Mark and I, our work and home life is a big blur. But how does your when does your – when do you stop being Maxie Shield and become Chris? That is – it's exactly like you two. Yeah. And, it, and it, I think this is a this is the creative side. You can't turn a creative person off. Like no. I, I, I will go to I will go to the movies. That hairstyle looks great. You know, go to Kmart. I could use that. I can use that. I can use that. So it, it ultimately never turns off. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm not one of those ones that my drag persona is a third person thing. My drag is just a glamorous extension of me. Yeah. So, you know, I it, one I do go to work and I know that I have uh, I have a work mentality in that this is what I've got to do, this is the end result, this makes my money, I need to give the client what they ask for, but, you know, my, my job is in a social environment, which means that, you know, it's bloody fun. <laughs> it's so fun yeah. to go to work. <laughs> and yes. I'm sure you two will agree. It's hard at times. It's so hard, but couldn't think of anything else to do. 
Well, it's funny. People have said to us, because you get approached a lot, and we know that they're approaching Mitch and Mark from yep. from reality TV, and people say to us, oh, d- does it really annoy you? But it doesn't annoy us because we were given so much um mm so much opportunity and joy and we're able to change our lives mid-50s, totally yeah. change our lives. So we feel that it's only fair that we share a bit of a bit of that Mitch and Mark with the people who are appreciative of it. And it is a very blurred line. They did see us in our rawest form when we were tired and working our asses off and and Maybe having fun but, but also destroyed. <laughs> Of course, but, but but we do. We actually we have no problem with sharing unless it's mid mouth mid mouthful at a restaurant. That's <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Let I, me swallow before you ask me to speak. <laughs> at least a drag queen, I'm allowed to say piss off. Your whole life is generally around performing, <laughs> where people are having beverages, and I don't drink. Yes. <laughs> Has that always been the case or is it a Well, I drank decision? in the 90s. I drank a lot in the 90s. <laughs> and drag drinks are different to normal human drinks. <laughs> like, you know, they, they fill half the glass plus with alcohol and a squirt uh, of Coke or mixer and they go, I've made you a good one, girl. And you're like, uh, I've got heartburn. And <laughs> oh, and you've got another performance to do in. I know. Know, I need to like... sit down. My head's giddy. So, yeah, so it's been, I think, about 13 or 14 years that mm. I haven't wow. drunk. Good, good for you. But in, in saying that, I it, I haven't been drunk. I have had a drink. Okay. Um, I have a shot when anyone dies. <laughs> that sounds so morbid. But, you know, if, if someone that has passed away that I know, and and you know i love yeah. i always get everyone to raise their glass and i always have a shot yeah. hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Maxie, I'm curious, as Chris and Maxie, as Maxie, is Maxie able to do things, say things, that you would want to say as Chris? Is it, is it there a continuum? Is it, is it, you know, does that permit you freedoms or is it just your glamorous self? It used to be. I used to think that, you know, drag, I can do a lot more than as a boy. Um, uh, but, you know, as it gone on, I think it's probably maybe 10, 15 years ago, I was like, this is ridiculous. Why can I do something with a wig on? And I can't do it as a boy. This is this is absolutely stupid. And I I I do sort of sometimes break things down like that. I was like, this is this is dumb. I can do anything if I can do it in a drag. I can do this as a boy. And you know, I've I've taken that on going forward. So especially coming out of Drag Race, where a lot of times you do have to do interviews as as a boy, and it's just like, do I be boring and quiet, and or do I go? Ah! 
<laughs> uh, Maxie, I want to go. I want to go deep. I, I had a friend. Um, I used to date a guy, and his cousin was Malika. I don't know if you know Malika. I do know Malika. Malika um, was an incredible performer who sang as well. I'd love watching her. But I remember one time Malika um, saying that um, she's a girl, and yes. the, she called the drag queens clowns. And I don't think she even did. She didn't do it, not in a malicious way either. She, I don't think I don't think it was a malicious way. She would just sort of say, "Well, no, they're they're painted face. They're not the real. Well, not the real thing. I don't know." No. But it's an interesting question. It's an interesting question for the listeners and for us. Is being a drag queen wanting to be a woman, or is it wanting to uh, perform as a woman? What's the difference? Um, well, see that that comment, Malika would have done that quite a few years ago. Yes, yes. quite yeah, a, quite a I, few. I, years I'm talking ago. like tw- twenty years ago. Yeah. So, and I would I would add an extra word to clown. I would I'd actually add glamorous clown. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't, and I don't but, think she was being nasty when she said it either. No, not at all. Malika was incredible. Malika yeah. doing Tina Turner. Oh my god, oh, amazing! Australia's leading Tina Turner impersonator. Yeah. She is incredible. The, the, especially now, twenty twenty two is different. Gender is so blurred now, and and we are finally seeing that drag. Is just an, a, a glamorous extension of the person, or is whatever they feel it is to them? It's very mm-hmm. personal. Mm-hmm. Yes. So for me, it was never a trans thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it, and I'm not. I'm I'm not non-binary. I'm not gender fluid. I just I love to be glamorous and go to work, and I love shiny things, and I don't like. Uh, if You've people... seen Mitch's fashion, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't like that that boys aren't allowed to wear something flowy and a, a mm. dress if they want to. Yet, you know, in other cultures it's very acceptable, but in Western culture it's like, well, hold on, you're a boy, you shouldn't be wearing that. I, I, I think that especially fashion should be fluid mm. and, you know, I my one thing about being a drag queen is put a flowing skirt on and do spins in the lounge room. That's going to get you every time, guys, <laughs> that is so much fun. You know, Mitch, you were talking about something, if I can, can go back to, because I think it's a really, it is a really interesting question, particularly in, in the gay community. There's a couple of things that you've spoken about, Maxie, which are really relevant nowadays. And Mitch and I are involved at the moment, we're going to be involved in a program that's around the questions of gender and fluidity and, yeah. ide- you know, have the pronouns people use to identify, which... It's so important because we have friends who are talking about those things with their kids. Yeah, It's a challenging thing. It's a hard thing to have that conversation. But it, as you talked, I thought it's almost th- drag performers through through that history have supported and helped that conversation without knowing that they've helped that conversation because there is a question people need to ask. What does that mean for me? What does that mean for my children? How do they think about these things? And you know, I don't know if you've you've had it. I've known young people in my early years when I was involved with the Gay and Lesbian Counselling Service. You know, way back before it was LGBTQ anything, it was just gay and lesbian. Yeah. Who committed suicide when they were struggling with identity. So, as a performer, you love things glam- glamorous and it's fabulous, but it also has supported that conversation. I, I can't help but think very much, and I think a lot of drag performers, our pronouns like. Even as a boy, I don't think I've ever been called he. 
Yes. <laughs> it's always she. And, you know, yes. and, 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 you know, it was, it's always been sort of very fluid and, and I, I think it was making gender for us, like trying to break what society says we should be. Yes. I guess. And, you know, blue for boys, pink for girls, hmm. which is, you know, very basic, but, you know, it still seems to happen. And as soon as a boy says, oh, that pink shirt's nice, it means he's effeminate. And it's like, well, actually, it's just a colour, guys. Yes, you know, take away the it, energy from it. Yeah, it's just a colour. It's it's just a skirt. Yeah. You know, it's it's just well, a strappy sandal. It's well, just what? a high heel. If it, if you want to wear a high heel, you can wear a high heel, whether or not you're gay or straight or anything. You well, can could, wear it. It's okay. It's just a piece of clothing. <laughs> Guess I'm talking the the same sex marriage bill as you know we've seen so much, we're talking history or sound like we're so old but the history of where we've been you know we started yeah. in this conversation about some of that history is so important to acknowledge and know because it shapes where we are now and where we we think we can go the same sex yeah. marriage bill the, the day that was passed or, or the experience right what was your experience or feeling like when we were doing that referendum well it was i was was i as i said i i started um, at the end of the 90s. So I got to see things like age of consent rallies, um, I think the tail end of the adoption rallies as well. So I'd, I'd been to those rallies and seen community bind together, you know, um, you know, drag queens out the front of parliament, protesting, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I hadn't seen that for many years going forward. And... You know, it, the referendum was just a piece of shit. It was just so dumb, really, mm. and it was a waste of money. We could have got the same result, you know, and given all that money to homeless in Sydney or, you know, <laughs> yes. built more schools or hospitals or paid our nurses True. properly. Um, the, but I did trying to – I tried to find a positive in everything, mm. and my positive was – there was people that I had only seen in nightclubs. So I'd only seen them in the, the dingy darkness of a nightclub out on the street in George Street in Sydney and protesting. And I was like, this horrible thing has brought my community together into something that I had when I was younger and made me feel like a part of the community. So as a positive, I was like, this is incredible. Like we've stood up. We've, we've, we're saying, no, 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 this is, this is wrong. And it's brought everyone together, which is, mm, you yes. know, was a great, absolute great thing. Mark, um, I remember but, walking through Hyde Park and seeing um, young, fa- young heterosexual families with their babies in strollers cheering and dancing and oh. the, uh, it was prob- there was probably more straight crowd that we were seeing. It was the there, most incredible. And gay crowd. And um, some, some guy set up a... An illegal, um, uh, what do you call DJ, DJ DJ set up in the middle of Hyde Park, and it became a party, a dance party. Yeah. All these straight people cheering and celebrating, and seeing us as a gay couple, and coming and hugging us and saying congratulations. It was just yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. It was it was yeah. interesting as an experience because it wasn't until going through that, you know, Mitch would look after our older eldest grandson at that point. He would look after little Boydy, and we would walk into the city together with Boyd and Pram as the grandparents. And during that debate, 
I became very aware of, are people looking at us as if something is wrong? Because there were adverts on TV that were suggesting, I think, some of the more radical lobby groups that it would somehow harm children. And I found that, one, I found it really distressing to think, how dare you think that I would do anything, anything to harm my grandson or my granddaughter's? Or our child. Or our children. I mean, how dare you judge that? You don't know me. But then the second part of it, I guess, Maxie, that didn't hit me until that night in Hyde Park, and I said to Mitch, I suddenly had this overwhelming, not sadness, but these tears, because it was the first time I suddenly went, I feel that my country actually likes me. I never felt that I fitted in anywhere because I knew from when I was eight, that I was different. Yes, and same. Yeah, same from early, and I never felt I belonged. And suddenly I had a moment where I went, oh, my God, I never realised I felt I didn't belong in my country. And this is the first time that a country has said, we support you. Mm. And I didn't expect that experience. I just want to do a quick snip into, we spoke about reality, <laughs> Renault, and Renault is oneself, but... Do you have any um, renovation experience, which can be anything from fluffing a cushion to gutting out a house? Absolutely not. No. (laughs) (laughs) I've had my lips done. No. (laughs) I'm good with a foundation. (laughs) (laughs) But what about at home, Maxie? Particularly people who rent say, we don't renovate because we rent, but you still have to make a place your nest. Yeah. So styling and... And putting a place together, it is all it is all a form of your renovation. So my drag room looks like a clown exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and threw clothes up at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we, we're quite lucky. We've got a three-bedroom we rent in Darlinghurst. It's very expensive, but um, we've got two dogs as well. So we Chose have house. a little courtyard in a, in a very quiet uh, laneway in Darlinghurst. So it's, wow. it is very old, but it's got so much character. The laneway is incredible because, you know, we know everyone. They've got like a, a, a community garden next door to our house. But the whole oh. thing is that our lounge room opens into a courtyard. So I've got lots of plants. I grew up in the country. Oh, that was maybe my beautiful. styling aesthetic is, is plants. So I do love lots and lots of plants. So. When my mum comes up from Nowra, she always brings a carload of plants with her. So I think that, that's that's my design-esque. <laughs> Your design-esque is bring nature in. Exactly. Bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> All over that place. And speaking about nature, I want to link straight to the Mardi Gras. There was actually no commonality link there. I just created one. <laughs> Wasn't Good. that clever? Yep. So what? Can we, so Mark and I, for the first time ever, we've we've watched many a parade and cheered on from the sideline. We're doing a program with Fairy Dishwashing Liquid, ah. and we're going to be appearing on their float. Fabulous! I don't know what we I don't know what we're doing. We're just going to be on the float. I don't know who we're wearing. Um, Mark said to them, "I'm not going to wear anything too risque," and I said. Oh my God, I'm wearing some risque. I'm, I'm 66 months. I've got to show this body of wallet last. I'm going to see, you know, Priscilla Queen of the Desert when Guy Pierce was on that bus, which is fantastic. <laughs> with the silver. I can see Mitch like that. So, what do we expect from you with Mardi Gras? For, for Mardi Gras, I've, I'm working with a campaign with Mini, the new Mini, oh, yes. um, which is big, oh, well. big Love, I think it is. Um, yep. And, you know, it's a mini car, but there's like Big Love. Um, I'm working 
there's three of us. I think there's Alana, the pastry chef, incredible pastry chef, and oh, Anna, 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 oh, Anna, Anna. Yeah, she's a great mate of ours. She's a friend of ours. Oh, really? Yeah, I love her. She's a pastry chef. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh. and she her makes the best amazing. stuff. Her her cookies. Oh, oh, my God. And, Maxi, just for anyone listening, if you haven't listened, we did a podcast with Anna Polavuk. So yes, if yeah, that's her. A, a listen. Yeah. Yeah, we, we did a podcast yes. with her, Maxi. You had, you, really you, interesting. Surely you listened to it. Yes, of course. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Anna, that I called you Alana. Alana's my contact. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another so, guy as well. He's, oh, and I can't remember. Oh. It doesn't matter. You would have got the, you would have got the name yeah. wrong anyway. Yeah, you and Anna I would have stuck it up. <laughs> hey, and Anna are the most up. important. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he he actually is a judge for. Oh goodness gracious me! It's a renovation show. Um. Oh oh, it's not not, not, it's not the block. Not, not no, Darren it's not the block. Palmer. I don't think. It's with Darren um, Palmer. Sorry, not Darren Palmer. No no no. Um, it's with. Who it is? Neil Whitaker. Neil Whitaker. Yeah, Neil Whitaker. Oh, yes, because he drives a Mini. He's sponsored oh, by Mini. Oh, God, that's yes. hilarious. Oh, there we go. See, I got it in the end, haven't I? <laughs> See, it's all connected. I love it. It's not the block. It's Neil Whitaker. Yeah. That is so funny. <laughs> so, we, um, yeah, we were on their float. So, it's going to be lots and lots of oh, fun. Cool. Very colourful. I think it's 60s themed. Oh, wow. That'd be great. For anyone listening, Mardi Gras is, is happening now, but the parade is happening on March the 5th. And what does Mardi Gras mean to Maxi Shield? Um, Mardi Gras to me as a working drag queen means work. <laughs> work, 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 work. Everyone wants a drag queen, which is fantastic. You know, I I get to share my, my gay love, you know, pretty much every every day of the year. But Mardi Gras, it's just so intensified and it it brings us all together and it's the one one day well, it's sort of a month that we get to sort of really shine a light on our community. You know, there's this whole festival of three weeks of things that are happening, you know, queer artists putting shows together, queer screen, you know, lots and lots of things happening that usually don't have that opportunity to have a platform. So if you are in Sydney, you know, especially around Mardi Gras time, it's not just a parade and, and, and party. There's lots of stuff to happen. So yeah, it's really important. That's fabulous, and well, I think you're you're also going to be in the Adelaide Fringe, is it? I'm in Adelaide Fringe with Kidamine. We've got Sisters mm-hmm. Down Under tour, so it's my it's our first time in Fringe, and we're shitting ourselves a little bit. But it's an amazing festival. As a festival, I'm an Adelaide boy from where. Oh, are you? So such a great festival. I recommend anyone attending. You'll be part of that delight for people in Adelaide because to see you perform will be amazing. Fabulous! I can't wait. I've got one one thing I just wanted to go back to. At the beginning of this conversation, you talked about the magic and how drag over years has changed. There was a magic that happened and that maybe now that magic's pulled back. I I couldn't help but think it's a bit like the royal family, you know, they like to keep certain things magic. You need to keep people intrigued like the royal family. But there is a bit, I I remember back in, you know, the late 90s and, and 2000s when you saw certain drag queens and it was magic. You went, I don't know how they do that. Is the magic important? Yes, very much. I still I still get excited seeing performers like drag queens perform. And mm. it's I often say that there's 
it's easy to go to negativity. And a lot of times with things changing, especially Oxford Street changing, a lot of people are like, the scene's dead. You know, it's not like we used to have it in the 90s, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And I often say to them, there's an 18-year-old, maybe a 17-year-old, you know, (laughs) they all sneak in, we all did, um, that are having that same experience that I did walking into the Albury seeing Trudy Valentine perform on a Saturday night in 1993. Um, Mm. And I would just sort of sat there and was like, oh. And there's that same person that's having that now. And Mm. that's really important. So it's different. It's still there. There's still magic there. But it is different. different. It is different. different. That's different. Let's flip the table, so to speak. We've asked you a million questions of which we're very appreciative for you um, indulging us. But any question you would like to ask us at all over Slather, nothing. Um, I nothing's think, off. See, I was, I was going to ask you how was it going back a second time, but you've, you've answered that already um, because that sort of was one thing that sort of interested me. If, if I do have an opportunity to do reality TV again, is that smart? Um, yes. But, you know, you've sort of answered that. You, you loved it and it was a better experience than the first one. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think going back and if you get the chance to do it again, you obviously know the mechanism and yeah. how it works better. Um, I think we really enjoyed our, our time and just tried to just be us yeah. as well. Um, we would do it again. I, I don't know that I would do a reality thing like SAS or no way. That no kind of thing. Way. There's no way. I mean, I can see myself <laughs> hyperventilating in in a that thing you have to crawl through. I couldn't do it. Or I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Like no, they do. bury you in a box and it's let bodies. Let well, see, snakes I, and spiders I think I'd be it. fine with that. Ooh, <laughs> really? really? I grew up in the country. I grew up in Claremont. It's okay. Oh, so people listening now, if you have anything to do with celebrity, get me out of here. <laughs> Maxie Shield is happy. That would be great. Imagine a drag queen coming in. in. Jungle. It's time, guys. It's time. (laughs) Oh, it's time. Okay, we're looking forward to seeing that. Look forward to seeing you on. (laughs) Maxie's a celebrity. Get her out of here. I'll eat an emu anus. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go anywhere with that one. There's a whole routine around that stuff. (laughs) Maxie, it is so amazing to get to talk to you. We've loved watching your performances over the years. So if anyone is interested, in going to Oxford Street, where can they see you? Coco, Carmen and I are on um, Saturday nights at the Oxford. Jack, Jackson Hyde's and I are on Fridays. Um, and then Sundays, the park, which was the old Victoria room on Victoria Street. Oh, wow. Um, That's the so they've just been renovated. So Coco and I do the fannies do brunch. So we call ourselves the fannies because we've got big bums. But um, <laughs> it's so oh much my fun. God, and you can get a T-shirt and you can buy the oh, T-shirt. You can buy the T-shirt, exactly, on Merch Mother. And, and it is br- it's a brunch thing on, on Sundays. the park. Yeah. At br- like 10 o'clock in the morning. 11, 11 o'clock. 11. 11. 11. So 11. on Sundays, 11 o'clock at the park here in Sydney, Victoria Street in, in Darlinghurst, you can see the fannies. The fannies do brunch, Maxie. yes. How good I highly recommend it what a wonderful way to spend a sunday oh, and it's you it. know what they're, they're not shy on keeping your booze topped oh we have to come we <laughs> yes. <have to> be <laughs> there. all right we're gonna head down
Maxie, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was lovely to have a chat. And we'll see you on Oxford Street. Fabulous. Thank you so much, boys, for having me. Have a fabulous Mardi Gras. Maxie, thank you so much. And let me just say, Mark, Maxie is just very, very, very much full of joy. Notice that when the conversation with Maxie, Maxie is always able to bring it back to a positivity and see things through um, a glass three-quarter full kind of spectrum. Yeah, I love that sort of attitude. You know the other thing I love about it? Maxie talked about the magic in the early days of drag and seeing some of those drag performances. No, I remember those way back. The magic that there was in the transformation. Um, we love it pretty much. But also, Mikey, let's just continue that thought as we come along to Mardi Gras weekend this weekend. Let's all think about positivity, about supporting each other, and not beyond the LGBTQI community, everybody, race, colour, gender, whatever it is, let's just be inclusive and support. Yeah, let's support that diversity in our community. So we hope that you enjoyed that beautiful, wonderful chat with Maxie. And if you are in Oxford Street sometime and you see a sign for Maxie, you should go and see Maxie. You'll enjoy it. It'll be a laugh. Maxie's actually going to be down in Adelaide too. So if you're listening from Adelaide, the Adelaide Fringe, I think Maxie's down there performing. Get a ticket and go and see her. That's it for us this week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Reality Renault with Mitch and Mark. And if you enjoyed it, please give us some feedback. And if you're looking for our podcast, it can be found on Acast, Spotify, Apple iTunes, everywhere we find you with podcasts. We're everywhere right now. Have a great week, everyone. We look forward to joining you next week. Bye now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.